Hey there, my name is Jesse Smith and I'm an employer brand specialist here at UiPath. Experimenting is a part of our culture, so we decided to create a series of podcasts where we interview different employees to find out who they are, what projects they're tackling, and why they choose to work at UiPath. I was really honored to speak with our next guest and I hope you enjoy listening. Hey everyone, I'd like to welcome my next guest, Raheem Hassan. Director of Global Partner Marketing here at UiPath. A little bit of background about Raheem, he grew up in Cleveland and was introduced to the STEM field at a very young age. He spent eight and a half years with IBM and 13 years with Siemens and became one of the first leaders of RPA with his work at the Institute of RPA and AI. He's a proud father of two children and lives in the greater Chicago area. Welcome Raheem. Thank you, Jesse. It's uh, I'm very happy to be with you here today. Awesome. I'm so excited that you are here as well. So I want to kind of dive in and I know I'm curious and I think a lot of people who will be listening to this podcast will be curious about your story growing up in Cleveland and really how you got introduced to STEM at such a young age and how that really impacted your life. Uh, well, it's it's a fairly interesting story. Um, you know, I am the youngest of uh, of four children. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was five, and we relocated from Virginia to Cleveland. And I always had kind of an interest in tinkering and taking things apart. Um, however, when I was in middle school, uh, there was a program that was introduced into our school district, uh, which was a primarily a all uh, black school district in East Cleveland, Ohio, to kind of introduce uh, uh, our community and the kids in, in our district to the uh, science and technology and to the STEM fields. And uh, the program was called the Career Awareness Program. And it was uh, alternating Saturdays. It started for me and it was either seventh or eighth grade. And uh, there were engineers from companies like Sherwin-Williams and, and NASA who actually would come out and spend time with us on, on Saturday. And these were men and women who looked like me, yeah. right? And introduced us into what was behind engineering and, and the sciences and things of that nature. We had a variety of projects that we went, that we went through and uh, crystal radio, solar power and things of that nature. And, and it really opened my eyes as to uh, what was potentially available from a science and technology standpoint. And that's where my, my interest in engineering really started. That's awesome. And I believe when we talked earlier that you said something that your mom was the one that really encouraged you to get involved with these programs. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. She, uh, uh, you know, even though my dad wasn't with me and I would see him on the summers and things of that nature, she she was a force in pushing me uh, to actually uh, feed my passions and expose me to positive male role models. Mm. Uh, uh, and it really gave me something to strive towards. And interestingly enough, at the day of this recording uh, uh, here on March 12th, uh, uh, 2021. Uh, today's her 92nd birthday. So uh, it's uh, uh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and she's still with us and she still has all of her marbles and her elevator still goes to the top floor and, and God bless her. She is a force to be reckoned with. And she's the one that kept me on the straight and narrow and put me on the path I'm on today. Oh, thank you for sharing that. It's so wonderful and happy birthday to her. 
And so also, I believe, you know, at a young age, you also were introduced to junior achievement. Um, And I want to hear from you kind of maybe how that sort of introduced a sales or marketing side to your to your passions as as well and, and what kind of impact that had. Yeah, so so you know, seventh and eighth grade, it was it was it was about the career awareness program and understanding science and technology, and then in uh, I believe in ninth grade is uh, is when I joined uh, Junior Achievement, and at that time JA was a after school program uh, uh, that where it met weekly, and it taught kids about what it took to run a business, right? So you know. We formed a company. We learned about how to form a company. We talked about the different roles in the company. We elected officers from the students that were there. We manufactured a product. We sold a product. We marketed a product. And and for me, uh, who who you know, didn't know a lot about business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, at at that time, it really opened my eyes and it lit another area of passion for me. And um, so I took kind of. The, the engineering and I found that I had a real passion for sales and marketing and and over my four years in junior achievement I competed uh, uh, at the citywide level uh, for a number of contests and and I won several of them the uh, uh, outstanding young salesman outstanding young businessman and I got to go to the nationals uh, to, to compete on the national level but I found that 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 exposure to business and and, and, and the way I enjoyed selling along with my, my technology interest and aptitude, right, just really kind of, kind of carved the path for me uh, for a career in technical sales and marketing. Yeah. And so having exposure to, one, how to run a business at a young age, getting exposure to STEM, you know, how did you approach going to college and deciding what you really wanted to do? And how did you weigh out whether you wanted to go more into STEM or keep more on the business sales and marketing side? So I I may be a bit of a unicorn uh, in, in, <laughs> in this one, but uh, uh, but I knew day one walking on campus exactly what I wanted to do. Mm. I wanted to get that uh, degree uh, in engineering or one of the technology fields and pursue a career in sales and marketing, technical sales and marketing. Right. And and I knew that going in. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, when I entered, uh, I graduated from Purdue. Mm-hmm. When I entered Purdue, I entered into the School of, uh, of Engineering. And interestingly enough, I found that that wasn't right for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the, just the theoretical aspects of design and things of that nature. It, it wasn't a fit for, 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 for me and what I wanted. And I, I had the opportunity to participate in several uh, summer internships and co-op rotations uh, at both uh, uh, General Electric in Cleveland as well as uh, as well as IBM, mm. and I decided I would actually change majors to uh, to the School of Technology, Electrical Engineering Technology, and in in the School of WET, it really focused on the practical applications of technology. Every lecture had a lab; it wasn't theory; it was practical, hands-on, and and I think that's kind of fit better with my desire to do sales and marketing, right? How do we practically apply the technologies and solutions of the company in order to solve a customer's problems? So I ultimately got my my degree in electrical engineering technology from Purdue. And I think having a lecture in a lab 
really spoke to how you said you like to tinker as a kid. Like maybe you're more of a kinesthetic learner, want to learn with your hands instead of just listening and reading about something. Right. The practical application of it and how do you put it to work and how do you learn about the theory and see it in practice, uh, it, that, that really goes to how I am wired as an individual. Yeah, same here. <laughs> okay, so tell me about your, your graduating for Purdue. What's the next step in your life? Like, what was on your mind? So, so Jesse, interestingly enough, my senior year of college, I was not interviewing with companies. Mm. I was interviewing with uh, with uh, grad schools, and I had my eyes set on on going to Northwestern and majoring in marketing and strategic planning. And you know, long story short, um, I had I ended up having an interview through one of the organizations I was involved in uh, with uh, with IBM, and I was really really intrigued with that particular opportunity here in Chicago. So my plan was to always go back uh, to grad school and and I never made it back. But if you take a look at at my career path, marketing and strategic planning uh, is is exactly the path that I have been on really for the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Yeah. And so you went with IBM and then your time at Siemens. How did having you know, your roots in technology in electrical engineering, how has that really set you apart in terms of your career and what you do in marketing? So uh, my, my time at IBM, uh, I had a couple of different roles. Uh, I started in a, in a sales role at one of the large enterprise accounts here in the Chicagoland area. Uh, ended up uh, uh, in doing some consulting work in an area of voice and data integrated technology. So once again, right, how do we apply our solutions in that space towards solving customers' business problems there. When I left IBM, I went to work for a startup for a few years during the dot-com era. So um, it was it was a bit of a dose of reality. Uh, you know, you, you tend to take for granted all of the support infrastructure you have in an enterprise like IBM until you go to a startup and you're like, oh my God, right? Uh, where's the competitive database? Where's the product <laughs> information, right? What do you mean I have to write it, right? So, yeah. so, so that was interesting. And, and, you know, so I cut my teeth and I learned a lot. Uh, that particular business failed, right? But you can learn as much, if not more, from something that was not successful than something that was. Mm-hmm. And that, that led me into what, what later became, uh, became Siemens. And, and, and the role was kind of an overlay marketing role. Uh, with their networking practice, right? So for me, how how my technical degree came in is uh, I was able to comprehend and understand how the technology worked and the specific features and functions and what made sense. But in that overlay kind of marketing position, right, I had to take kind of that knowledge and apply it towards how it solved customers' business problems. And over that 13-year period, I just learned a tremendous uh, a, a lot about the professional services, IT services, and outsourcing. I spent about six and a half or seven of those years working on a global go-to-market program. And when I exited the business there, I was running marketing communications and analyst relations for that Siemens uh, uh, IT outsourcing division in North America. So that's that's where I really made that pivot towards the, the, the uh, and, and earned some of my marketing chops. Wow. Okay. You're whole story is fascinating but i think for me the pinnacle 
is how you got involved with the Institute for RPA and AI, because you're one of the leaders. You're one of the first people working in that space in the United States. So can you tell me a little bit more about that and your journey to there? Yeah, you know, in the marketing role with Siemens, right, you know, we work with a lot of external organizations on events and things of that nature. And there was a company that I worked with uh, called the Outsourcing Institute at that time. And we had done a couple of events and programs with it. And when I left Siemens, I, I, I put in a call to to the uh, to the CEO of 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 the outsourcing institute and says hey you know i'm, I'm in the market i'm looking for something it says if, if you see something amongst the service provider community just keep me in mind long story short um you know probably out six seven months later i was doing some independent consulting and i got a call from this gentleman on on a saturday morning right so he says you know raheem i have something i want to bounce off of you start talk about robots and RPA and it's going to be an outsourcing killer, killer and it's going to disrupt the whole marketplace. And I'm looking at the phone, what? Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what in the world is he talking about? So, uh, you know, he said, he says, Raheem, I could use some help. So I hung up the phone and did some research, you know, found out that once that one, you know, Robotic process automation is not about physical robots, right? Yeah. And and as I started to dig into it a little bit more, I, I, I was able to really kind of come to the conclusion that this could be a very disruptive technology. So long story short, you know, I, I was hired by him to help him build up a professional association similar to what he did on the Outsourcing Institute. And this professional association would work with uh, with with providers who had capabilities in this space and buyers who had needs. And originally, a lot of our focus was, was, was centered around kind of people who had purchased outsourcing technologies because this could be very disruptive for them. Long story short, I helped him kind of set up the business, establish IRPA, uh, 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 IRPA, um, and we later added the AI component to it. And I decided to stay on with him as his CMO. Mm. So this is back in the 2014 timeframe when the technology was just starting to hit the US. I had the absolute pleasure of working with all of the technology providers in this space. The, the, the Blue Prisms, the, the Automation Anywheres, the UI Paths. Uh, the, uh, you know, there was probably about, you know, over my four years there, I probably worked with probably two dozen different RPA providers. Wow. And our professional association was used to educate the marketplace as to what the capabilities would be. And, and we would put on events and thought leadership and webinars and 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 we would we would uh, write white papers to help to educate the marketplace as to what the technology can do and who the providers were in that space so so it was an amazing opportunity to see how how RPA went from nothing to what it is today and and um, you know we actually hosted the very very first RPA event in the industry uh, in New York back in December of 2014, and I facilitated a panel that uh, that uh, that Daniel uh, Dinez was was actually on. 
we actually tapped him. I don't remember how we got to him, but we we had got some input from him back when the company was called Deskover uh, for a white paper that we were writing, and I invited him to participate on my panel. Uh, and and uh, when I shared a picture of that with him, he actually said that was his very first time speaking in public uh, 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 on the topic. Wow. Uh, so UiPath actually became a, a customer of mine for the years to follow uh, after that. But uh, that's how I got into the RPA space. Wow. I mean, so cool. And you did show me that picture of you and Daniel on the same stage, which is just so wonderful and an amazing journey. How do, you know, why is RPA so important in making, you know, this technology more accessible? Like what about this technology were you drawn to and and where do you think it can take us five, 10 years down the future? Wow. Yeah. you, You know, people, people often say, you know, disruptive technologies and quite often it has a negative connotation. I don't think mm-hmm. it does it with, with this technology. Uh, you know, um, I think that RPA will fundamentally change how people do work, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we all have things that we need to do that are rote, repetitive, rules-based. It's, it's stuff that you have to do, but you don't like to do. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? The technology is such nowadays that you can get your robot to do it. And, and I admire kind of you know, the culture of this organization and where we're moving to, to democratize the acceptance and understanding of this technology by you know, giving the software away, uh, uh, giving, giving um, uh, uh, the training away. You know, I, I liken it to what, what, uh, what, what Apple did probably back in, in the early 90s where they were seeding their technologies in schools, right? Mm. They were conditioning the young and how to use their technology so that when they became adults and entered the workforce, right, they want to go back to what they know. And, yeah. and I think that that same type of, you know, technology uh, uh, democratization, uh, and this is really going to be an industrial revolution from my perspective, uh, the use of automation and AI to fundamentally change and augment and enhance how we all do work. Yeah. And especially, you know, we are allowing a lot of our technologies into schools and having professors teach them so you know when people are in college they're they're getting to understand rpa they're getting hands-on experience and then our our whole academy you know which is free to anyone which is like you can train yourself and get certified for free and have a maybe a completely different career path which is just wonderful yeah, ab- absolutely. One, one of one of the global systems integrators I'm working with, right? You know, they're driving a set of digital transformation initiatives, but it's based on reskilling, right? Mm-hmm. Enabling every worker to take advantage of this technology and fundamentally change how work gets done. And it's a very novel and intriguing approach to to, to driving transformation by upskilling and reskilling your people. And, and people often say, well, isn't this going to kill jobs? I think it's going to create jobs. Yeah. It's going to create different types of jobs and opportunities. And I think it's going to create more meaningful jobs. So people aren't just sitting and doing repetitive work all day. They can actually be engaging with their brains 
and, and really bringing creativity in their authentic selves to work to create better solutions. Yeah, focus on the value instead of doing all of the, you know, rote, repetitive, mundane stuff that we hate to do. Get your robot to do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, Raheem, thank you so much. Um, it was really an honor to hear your story, and I'm sure everyone listening feels the same way. Jesse, I appreciate the opportunity to kind of share my journey. You know, the, the thing I, I, I want to leave you with, when, when we first spoke and started to talk about kind of how I was exposed to some of these, you know, STEM technologies at an early age, you know, for you professionals out there, for you organizations out there, don't underestimate the impact, mm. right, that reaching out into the high schools and middle schools can have on a child. You know, yeah. you, know, for, for, you know, because my school district decided to invest in bringing that program in and exposing me and, 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 and other students to it, you know, I am the man I am today because of those opportunities, which I might not have had. Yeah. So, so if you're thinking about doing it, make that investment, make that investment to our youth and, uh, and know that it does make a difference. Ugh. Yes. Thank you, Raheem. This has been so wonderful. All right. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks for listening, everyone. We are continuing to record and publish podcasts, so stay tuned for the next episode. In the meantime, we also have a blog called Inside the Rocket Ship, where we feature different employees and take a deeper look into our technology. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time on Inside the Rocket Ship.